this week, three sides of the coin, I can only just say holy shnikes, because I don't want to get us censored on YouTube, but holy shnikes, Dennis DeYoung, we don't even need to say what band he's from, because God knows his name is just huge enough. Dennis DeYoung joins us this week, and we get a surprise fanboy appearance by Mark. Oh, and don't forget, we have some good snowball talk at the end, too. (laughs) This is Three Sides of the Coin, talking all things KISS. I want to rock and roll all night. You're listening to Three Sides of the Coin. Want to get your official Three Sides of the Coin logo and Shocker tee? Now you can. We ship worldwide. Get yours online at shop.threesidesofthecoin.com. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of Three Sides of the Coin. Three of the knuckleheads, Michael, Tommy, and Mark. And today, Woo-hoo! we learned Mark's in a chicken coma. KFC. The man likes mm-hmm. his KFC. It's a new food group that we've learned about. <laughs> Look, you know what? I, I see people like in rehab and stuff, you know, heroin and crack and stuff. There ought to be a, a fucking KFC one. Because the minute I finish my like third piece and I'm on to my second biscuit... I'm done. I'm just goo. <laughs> I'm just going to lay there fucking in a chicken coma. That Liz and I and, and my son, we just had, had fucking KFC and it was phenomenal. So do you like gonna... sit, do you like sit back with a, an, a, a bare chicken leg on your chest going, you know, uh... Oh, it was, it was not a pretty sight. Let me tell you, I'm lucky that TMZ wasn't here after, uh, you know, I'm sitting there, you know, basically pick because we had extra crispy today, which as most chicken connoisseurs know, KFC extra crispy is, as they say on the street, the shit. So that shit was fucking so good. It wasn't even funny because if I could mainline that stuff, I would be in a chicken stupor 24 seven, you know, fuck drugs, fuck alcohol. Just give me some fucking chicken. And I'm just... Fuck seafood. Give Mark chicken. Oh, ooh, ow, ow. See, when I'm in Florida, I don't eat any fucking KFC. It's all seafood all the time. That's so, how come I cannot wait till this stupid pandemic thing can be over. Because, look, I will tell you right now, buy stock in seafood probably in about three weeks. Because I'm going to be tearing up the fucking shores. The first plane available, I'm, I'm out of here, man. So, so Mark's food comas are basically based on geographic location. That is a true story. <laughs> it's true. I think even like when we go places, if he's never been there before, he maps the shit out ahead of time. I do. Pizza, I do. You know, and, pizza comas, his, seafood comas, fried chicken comas. Wait a second. And, and, Basically, it's just any food that makes a coma. His friends are his dealer. Too. <laughs> his dealers. Because like when we go to Buffalo, his buddies picked us up and took us to a restaurant. That's true story. That's true story. Yeah. <laughs> When we were going through fucking Weg, because we don't have Wegmans here, if you guys remember, that's where I found the champagne of ketchups. When we were in fucking Wegmans, again, that's a chain that we don't have here in Michigan. They have all these fucking sampler things. Like, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, if I was homeless, I'd just go there and fucking eat because I was stuffed by the time I fucking walked out of the store. 
We're, they've got fucking sampler things fucking everywhere. It's true. Seriously, if you don't don't have any cash, and you, I would buy like a packet of, of ramen, and then I'd go eat all the fucking samplers, go home, done. I mean, I got this shit figured out. Mark, you need to do a food podcast. You know, maybe I should. <laughs> then, 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 I, then he'd I, have I, no I, excuse I, for being I hangry. A, I did a I did a local podcast the other day, and I did uh, I did uh, Ralph's, and my head is still here, so that's a good thing. Yeah, Ralph, I did, Ra- Ra- Ralph, Ralph messaged me because he was like, "Hey, Mike, can you hook me up with any any of your guests?" And I'm I'm helping him, and he messages me, and he's like, "Yeah, I just got meatloaf on," and I'm like, "Cool." <laughs> he goes, "No, Mark." well and it's important to point out that mark is not a foodie okay he just loves food right if you understand the difference between a foodie and somebody who just loves food you should your series could be called um food coma road trip there you go and you know what it would be like at the end of the episode you you remember that scene in christmas story where the guys have the little x's on there eyes after like ralphie shoots him yep. right one of the first few scenes like if you can get me on the couch with x's over my eyes after your plate of food was served to me then you win because i'd be in a fucking food coma like if i still want some ice cream after it you fucked up <laughs> unless we're at an ice cream place <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Jesus. god this is a complicated life <laughs> Oh, you know what? I, I tell you what, I'm giddy. I, I had kind of a kind of a the last couple of days have been real stressful. Again, you know, you guys know all of us because you watch each week, and you know what we do. You know, this this, this whole thing that's going on. You know, I'm a small business owner, and it's it's been you know been eye opening to say the least. But um, the last few days have brought a lot of good news for me. So I uh, picked up some more work today. I I got. You know, a program that I was, you know, involved in with my bank, and it was a really good day today. And we're gonna have, and we're gonna talk to Dennis DeYoung in a little bit. And I mean, How I am cool. Is that? I, I you know what? I, I go about this shit all the time to my friends. I'm like, how come this didn't happen when we were 15? I mean, don't I'm, I'm super happy this happening now. But I was such a sticks junkie when I was a kid. I still am. Although one thing, and I don't know if he's gonna want to talk about it or whatever. I would have this same conversation like with Getty Lee because from like the first album through moving pictures, like everything, it's perfect. I love everything. And like from the wooden nickel stuff all the way through pieces of eight, it was like those fucking records are just incredible. And you know, like rush with signals, they lost me. And then with cornerstone sticks lost me. And part of that is JY was kind of neutered and if you're a sticks fan you know exactly what i'm talking about that band and and if put it this way if you're here just because obviously you are here because you're a kiss fan but guys anything by sticks in the in the mid 70s you want to talk about in your face fucking guitar rock. oh god yes I, dude turn me on that song a lot alone is just that all that shit, man. Uh, Fucking Equinox and, he, and you know uh, Rene- Renegade, Sweet Madame Blue. You know the entire Grand Illusion album. Yes. I mean that stuff is just yeah. It, Dude, it, the Great White Hope. Great White Hope. The fucking guitar riffing in that 
is is as good as anything in the seventies. Literally as good as anything. Heaviness too. That band, and and that was one. You know, that's one thing I do. You know, maybe we are doing foreshadowing. I don't know because normally we record the beginning of the show at the end of the show, but today we're actually recording the beginning of the show in the beginning. So we haven't talked to Dennis yet, but. That's one of the questions I did want to ask him. I was thumbing through some old circus magazines last night. And um, in the reader's polls, one of the reasons I, I started thinking about this is I was I was a guest on, on, on Ralph's show, Dr. Fuck's show last week. <clears throat> and we were talking about the term heavy metal. And the term heavy metal in 1978 was a totally different term as it pertains to now because – they were talking to some of the because circus did an, an issue of they basically asked if, if heavy metal would survive the 70s and then cream did an issue of is heavy metal dead and those were right around 1979 issues and it was funny i was reading some of the readers responses and keep in mind this was 1979 and some of the the bands they were talking about heart and and and, and ario speedwagon and you know pad benatar and you know uh all that kind of stuff was coming up like as heavy under the heavy metal tag, you know, and it's just, you don't even think in those terms now, but back in those terms or those days you did. Yeah. Back in those days, we, we hadn't hit the million different sub genres of rock, hard rock, heavy metal that exists today. You know, it, it, even when Kiss first came out, they were like, well, what, what are they? I remember people like, oh, Kiss is acid rock. And I'm like, acid rock? What the hell what is acid rock? What about the back rock? of the green thing? They called him punk. Yeah. I mean, so you basically back then had heavy metal, acid rock, punk. You know, that was kind of it. So they had to just throw everybody into one category. And it wasn't until the 80s where it really started to... And I think for in in a in a good sense started to splinter. So you didn't have Pat Benatar in the heavy metal section for vinyl. And there was a separate section of just heavy metal. And even then, Kiss is not heavy metal. Kiss is 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 hard rock, in my opinion. Well, um, I, I, that's a piece I've never understood. I don't get why we have to keep breaking stuff up because if it's a rock band, it's a rock band, whether it's the plasmatics or it's Pat Benatar, why can't everything just be in one big section? Well, I, 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 I get what you're saying, but you know, you got to help the consumer understand what it could be sounding like if they're not quite sure, you know, okay, boy, I've been hearing about this Pat Benatar. I'm going to go check her out. Oh, she's in the heavy metal section. And you buy it because of that? And then you go home and drop the needle on Pat Benatar? You're going, what the fuck is this? It's not heavy metal. If you got the first record, don't worry. But if you had Heart, was it Heartbreaker? Oh, it it was hard, but I wouldn't say heavy metal. That's what she said. No, 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 but that's all it took back then was to have kind of a, yes. a, a you know an upfront loud guitar guitars, music. loud guitars. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, and I get that, and that, I had never really thought about it. But you're right. You have to you have to differentiate a little bit to help people understand what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I, it was funny because one of the respondents to the in the letter section in circus, and keep in mind this is the great part about you know having these sorts of 
materials to look at is to see what actually was talked about back then, not revisionist history, which is unfortunately what we get a lot of times. Uh, and again, for the eight billionth time and not for the last time, trust me, this is why timeline is important to everything, not just KISS, to help you understand everything, what timeline. How it evolved. Yeah, correct. And, and how it evolved, again, this guy in this, in this letter to the editor was talking about Keith Emerson and, and Jay Giles, alongside, though, you know, Alex Lifeson and, and Ace Frehley. You know what I mean? But I understand what he was doing. He was like, you know, some of this music is a little bit more aggressive than, say, Crosby, Stills, and Nash or, True. You know, or Carly and, and, Simon. And if I was if I was judging by an album cover, I I bet you my first inclination of Molly Hatchet would be they're a heavy metal band. Yes, Just of course. Work, but yeah. they're not. Yep. You yep. know. Yeah. Great observation, Tommy. That's exactly I think what I was saying. These bands and and my good friend Martin Popoff, who it seems I've been bringing you up a lot lately, but no, but it's true. <laughs> he he does this great thing that it's I, I I have go and look. He does this. Uh, it's like something history in five songs. I don't know if you guys have ever seen his one of his Facebook things. And he takes a genre or he takes a movement of music, and he said this is the history of this genre or movement in five songs. And he'll list the five songs. It's so fascinating. I look forward. He does a couple of them a week, and and it's funny because. One of the things he was talking about was the first wave of American heavy metal. And if you think about the biggies, you know, it'd be the early 70s because a lot of that stuff came from, you know, Black Sabbath and Deep Purple and, you know, and, and, and Led Zeppelin, obviously. And then the, what came after that, you know, in time? Really, Montrose in 73, 74. Um, you know, and a couple years later, Van Halen, which really used Montrose as a as a blueprint and kiss. And of course, Aerosmith. I mean, that that's that's the kind of fascinating things. And then it evolved and then it got it seemed it seemed like they're always trying to out heavy one another, because then by 1980, you know, Judas Priest and Iron Maiden. And then what came after that? Metallica and Anthrax. You really see the progression of this music, okay. but my... Uh, I'm, I'm going to mute myself because I think Dennis has given me a buzz right now. All right. Okay. Finish your thought, Mark. So so what I was saying is, though, but once you get to Metallica, that doesn't really sound anything like Montrose. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. some of the riffing may, but the, the, the distortion and technology has just changed the genre. So, well, and, and and also too in becoming friends with both of you over the years, talking about okay, guys, got to call them, got to call. Right. So we'll come back. We'll circle back to this, but let me okay. throw this up here. Uh, oops, not that. Well, while you're calling them, I just wanted to say it, it's pad. it's opened my eyes to how big the choices of music truly are, because. I felt like I knew a lot about music, but I know nothing about the stuff you like, Mark. And sometimes no, nothing about the stuff Michael likes. Yet I know a lot about music. So that shows you how wide and vast 
the ocean of music actually is. That's what makes it so much fun. I'm here. Dennis. I'm here. Dennis. Yeah. Dennis DeYoung. Welcome to Three Sides of the Coin. You've got myself as Mike. We've got Tommy and Mark joining as well. Woohoo! Hello, and, Dennis. And even though those we're guys, e those guys, even, let me tell you, this is quite, quite an honor. You, 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 oh you, God. you might be on a Kiss podcast, but we are sticks geeks here as well. Well, God bless you, people. I'm going to have my. Give me your numbers after this. I have my number <laughs> to call you. And thank you. <laughs> So, Look, so even all nice the wooden nickel stuff. So I own it all. I love it. Oh my goodness! Well, you know what? You know what that means, don't you? That you you still aren't getting paid. I don't know. I'm it? asking you. I don't know what the hell that means. <laughs> oh, the wooden nickel days. You know when people used to say to you, "Yeah, remember the good days when you were struggling?" Oh, go blow it out your ass. Struggling's <laughs> <laughs> never fun. <laughs> so, so, yeah. so, 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 Dennis... how are you guys? Where are you guys located? Where so, you guys, let's get let's get into a rhythm here. One, two, three. Where are you guys located? I, Mike, am located out in Sausalito, the San Francisco area. Tommy, I'm in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And Mark here in Detroit. Yatter hater, yatter hater, Tommy. Yatter hater. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man. And and Mark is in Detroit. Oh, well, we got two Midwestern guys and two yep. guys who have nothing better to do than to, to drive around uh, San Francisco and say, I can't believe the price of that house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, 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 Dennis, on my, on my behalf, I was born in Minnesota and I lived in Chicago for 11 years. Oh, fantastic. Where did you live here? Um, so, so this is going back. I lived in Addison and I worked in Villa Park right next to the old Sticks warehouse. Oh, oh, right on Roosevelt Road. Yep. So I worked at a company called DKP no, wait, Productions. Wait, 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 wait. North, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. North Avenue. North, North Avenue. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was a company called DKP Productions. It had rehearsal studios and a recording studio. <laughs> And I'm pretty sure when you were doing a solo tour, you used our facility to do a tour rehearsal. You are absolutely right. I remember the place fondly. And uh, we could, you could just go over to Melrose Park and get beat up by Italians. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, but you know what? We, it was so awesome because we were surrounded. You know this. We were surrounded by so much Italian beef and and Vienna beef hot dogs. I mean, you could you could go into a food coma just having lunch around there. Yeah, but you had the Panazzo brothers with you. That's Italian, wasn't it? That was Italian, wasn't it? Yes, and I'm half Italian. Unfortunately, it's my upper half. Oh, right. Who's <laughs> 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 well, that one? That's a good one. Um, yeah, the, listen, here's the, here's the thing. Right now, we're going through this thing. We know what we're going through. So I'm I'm laying in bed this morning, and my sweatpants storm in and demand that I finally wash them. <laughs> <laughs> I, here's another thing. Here's another thing. Uh, you can you can tip your waitresses later. Here's another thing. My wife, you know the six foot distancing thing. She's really taking it way too seriously. She said. I want to do this in the house. We're in six weeks we've been here. Let's do it in the house just to be safe, including when we're making love. 
And she says it's never been better. <laughs> <laughs> tip your tip tip your waiters and waitresses, right? <laughs> Thank you very much. That's, that's all I got. That's all I got. <laughs> um, I like. You know what's going on here right now? Here's what we're having. I, it just happened a couple times before. What's going on right now is there a small there's a small delay between when I speak and you hear me. I, I did a satellite thing where the first two stations were like that. So we'll, we'll, we'll tend to talk over each other. So pause. I'll talk because we're hearing things a little bit delayed. Go you, ahead. You, you got it. So, Dennis, before we get way into this, let me ask you, how much time do you have here? I want to honor your schedule of interviews. Uh, let, send me your Arbitron ratings. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know what? Half hour will that work for you? Thirty minutes? Yeah. If you if you have if, if, that's great. If all you if got all it. your listeners are deadbeat, I'm getting off. Uh, no, we're we're gonna have a blast here. We we had Uncle Ted Nugent on a few weeks ago, and and he we couldn't get him off after ninety minutes. He was so so full of talking about himself. Well, you know, I he, little known fact. Um. I, I own his loincloth from 1978. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Mark would like to talk to you about purchasing that. <laughs> it finally yeah. dried out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, growing up here in Detroit, obviously bands like Styx and Kiss and Ted Nugent and, you know, all that stuff, Aerosmith, that was, you know, just, it was everything. REO Speedwagon, all those bands played Cobo Hall and which you guys did numerous times then you know um you guys were everything you know and sticks to this day really but you know back in the glory days you guys were on WRF and WLLZ and W4 and just sticks growing up in Detroit we had a healthy dose of sticks on the radio I should say hourly, not just daily. I mean, you guys were very well represented on, on our airwaves, and it was impossible not to be a huge fan. And I was telling Michael today, you know, I, knowing you were going to be on, um, you know, I'm still one of those fuddy-duddies. I still use an iPod, and I've got like a 40-song sticks playlist, and I listened to that thing almost twice through today. I've been... Just reminiscing all this stuff. And trust me, this gets played whether you're going to be on or not. But just absolutely love, love the band. And when we start getting into stuff a little bit, I do I do have to ask you about, like, right when Cornerstone happened. But we can revisit. We can visit that later on. Because I, as a fan, I've always kind of wanted to know why the sudden change. Unless you're comfortable taking on that question right now. Um, well, sure. Uh, this, it, the story goes like this. Um, we went to England for the first time, and I had been an Anglophile because the Beatles are everything to me, guys. I yeah. saw them on Sullivan in 64, and even though Tom, uh, Tom Narden and John and Chuck Pinalzo and myself had a little band called TW4, <clears throat> when we saw that band, we said, well, that's, we, we wouldn't mind doing that for a living. That looks good. So, um, you know, the Penalza brothers' dad worked at U.S. Steel. My dad worked at an American tag company. So being in a band like that looked pretty glamorous. So we go to England. I'm thinking, oh, finally. You know, a lot of our early sound. And for years, we had that Anglo 
you know, kind of pseudo rock prog thing going with our music. We looked everything. Most of our influences uh, were they came from the East. They came from England, English bands. And so going there was the biggest thrill to, to play for English people. And we uh, we arrived right in the um, the teeth of the punk revolution and Johnny Rotten, you know, and uh, and the whole bunch. And um, the first band that backed us up in the tour was Dire Straits. Mm. Okay, I mean, and, and they they opened up, and so <clears throat> I'm watching. I'm looking at the audience. Well, they like us because they pay tickets to see us. But you know, once again, the the rock press. You know, they they couldn't have been. You would have thought that we would just invented COVID nineteen. <laughs> you know, like they're, they're poisoning the culture on everyone's in everyone's city, and it, and we were called dinosaurs. And I, we'd never been called that before, but there was a change coming in music, and it was exemplified by the punk movement throughout Europe. Now it never really caught on in the United States, mm-hmm. but after being there and being so disillusioned by the way the uh, the English press treated us, I came back and I started to think about what was going on with prog rock, and we weren't really a prog rock band. We were really a, an American rock and roll band who stole from everybody. Uh, we were as an eclectic American rock and roll band as you could get. Maybe the most. You know, if you think of Babe. I agree. Renegade, Mr. Roboto and uh, Come Sail Away, you would think those were four different bands. Same band. Just wrote those songs and, and made them their own. So for us, uh, when we came back, <clears throat> I'd been involved in making eight prog-like records, having those influences. And I thought, I thought prog music was dying. And I, I, I came back and I went in and the first thing I did was we, we went back to the States. I was trying to figure out songs to write. And my wife had been so supportive, supportive of me for so long for her birthday. I had nothing to do with sticks. I decided to write her a song for happy birthday, you know, essentially trying to get out of buying jewelry. Anyway, <laughs> um, that didn't work. So I go in, I wrote this song real quick one day at the piano. And I called up my my paisans, John and Chuck, and we uh, we went into the studio to make a demo. And it, it, it was Babe. I, I wrote it for her. I brought it home. It was never for sticks. There were no guitars on it because no guitar players were were there when we did the demo. And I sang all the harmony parts because I was still even there. And no one was ever going to hear it except my friends and relatives at her party. She didn't know it was coming. I played it. People people went they heard it and they went my goodness that doesn't suck as much as we thought it would so uh i took that as a a good sign i the more we played it for people a lot of fans of sticks heard it but that that's that's good so that was kind of the first song written for cornerstone but it wasn't it was just you know a, a series of events so we started making cornerstone and i said guys Let's just move a little bit to the right uh, or left. Who knows what direction that is uh, of, of the prog thing and use some, you know, let's use real horns, real strings. I'll play accordion on a thing. You play the mandolin. You know, we'll get Judy Garland and Mickey Rooney. We'll get a barn. We'll have a show. <laughs> so and I said, let's make this, this record a little, a little different. And we proceeded. Most of the record, if you listen to Eddie, if you listen to Lights or Bowered Time, um, 
there's like half the records is like what you would expect. And uh, what's the name of that song? Uh, Love in the Midnight. It sounds like a, you know, it sounds like a Sticks album. But we had Babe. We had First Time and Boat on the River, which were quite different. And what happened was the consensus by by Anum Records was Babe was the number one record. This they said when someone at a record company usually they're making a, up excuses why you're going to fail. That's what they do. When they yeah. say this is the number one record, you have to on the rep, record. We put it on the demo. We put the demo on, guys, because we everyone loved that song. We were afraid to touch it, especially me. I said, Tommy, come in here and play a great guitar solo. He did. Record's finished. Well, the first week the song is released. R and R used to be. You guys old enough to remember R and R? I, I, I remember R and R. Yep. Yep. Okay. They, they they all they did was clock radio stations airplay. Babe got the most stations in the history of the music business in the first week. That's what it got. As a, as a now, it was different because the guitar players weren't at the session and it wasn't arranged like a sticks record it had no guitars on it and because everyone fell in love with it we didn't put any on and then so the perception was because the two biggest songs off that record were <clears throat> factually babe and a song called boat on the river that became those two songs are our biggest hits worldwide of anything we've ever released those two songs on cornerstone so the album did have three songs that were softer, but nothing else. But the ones that a lot of people heard were soft. So, yes, I tried to move the band a little bit away from the prog, uh, the prog thing into something different. And it, it, we continue to be successful. We, we sold the same amount of albums as the pieces of eight. Now, have you ever heard a more long-winded answer in your life? But that's, that's the kind of stuff, Dennis that I, as a music geek, love. And I'll tell you why. Because being a big fan of yours and being a big fan of the band, I've heard that story and read that story that Babe was basically the original demo. And you always think, you know, somebody's just writing that so they can seem like they've got a niche on something or they, you know, and then to hear it from you, that makes me go, ah, that's awesome. You know, because now, now I heard it right from you. Well, in, in well, look, my... here's how here's the thing about Babe is that's a happy accident, guys. It's a happy accident. I didn't intend that. I, I would have never intended that for sticks when it happened. <clears throat> and the response was so. It was our only number one single. It won the People's Choice Award. It was songwriter song of the year for songwriter magazine. This is the thing, because it was based not on, oh, are these guys. Are they are these guys deserting us with you know with all the testosterone? No, I was writing a song for my wife for Christ's sake. I like having sex. I'll write her a song. <laughs> I was gonna say you wrote it to get laid. <laughs> well, well, what musician doesn't? Right. Maybe the girls, but maybe them too. I don't know. And to me, that's Dennis. It's interesting because. It seems like you always have a group of people, and I don't care what band it is, whether you're talking about Kiss or Sticks or whomever, that you find some success with a song that, like you said, is a happy accident. But I would think from an artist's perspective, you were just trying to write a really good song that ended up taking off and turned into a number one hit and got all these accolades. And I don't know, from my perspective, how can that be a bad thing? 
here's the thing. You know the grand illusion I talked about. Well, that's me, and here's how here's how I mean it. Okay. People, I read what people write and say about me when they're being nice. They think I'm much smarter than I am. I'm just a kid with an accordion who's stumbling through life, trying to fool the American public. That's all. I'm making, I'm making things up as I go along. I pretend like I know what I'm doing, just like you guys. How else would you guys have gotten a job on radio if you didn't pretend real good? <laughs> We're oh, ter- we're ter- we're terrible at pretending we know what we're doing. We just tell people we don't have a clue. Yeah. <laughs> the better you can pretend, the more money you'll make. <laughs> There's a lot of truth to that. So, so the thing with Babe well, is this. Well, you know, you ta- you know. Go ahead. You go. Oh, you know, again, I, I you know, know just being just being a geeky fan. I hope this isn't a. I don't know. A weird question or not, but you know, talking oh, about say, say it for Christ's sake. I'm 73. You can't insult me. <laughs> no, I know I'm not going to insult you. I was just curious. I read Chuck's book, which I thought was phenomenal and awfully brave of him. I thought that was a great book that he wrote. Now, that book was probably what 10, 15 years ago. It was a long time ago, but I read it when it came out. When did you, did you, I mean, you grew up with the Panazos, or at least like, was that? You know, him being gay in a in a hard rock band, which drew a lot of girls, was was that ever an, an uncomfortable thing for you to be around with him? Or meaning, what I mean by that is, he had to have been miserable at times. And did you were you guys aware of that the whole time? Well, Chuck, John was. Although Chuck really, you know, listen, in those or, days, I have I, I have three or four friends who were gay at the very same time. Um, and what, what, what it boils down to, that's a very unfair and difficult society to, to try to function in. And they tried the best they could. As far as Chuck goes, <clears throat> all of us in the band, if I say to you, no one ever really talked about it or really mentioned it ever. We just didn't. We knew who Chuck was. Okay. We accepted him for what he was. And we moved on. And remember, when Chuck and I first met to start the band in 62, we all know there were no gay people. Mm. You guys there? Yeah, yeah. Well, again, it's just just a a fascinating thing. Talking talking now in 2020 about something that's so out and open now where it wasn't. And, And, you know, you guys were on the road. You guys were sitting next to each other. Um, you know, on bus dot tour, you know, tour bus and tour, especially in the early days. I mean, just I'm just interested in the human part of that. I mean, that had been tough on the guy because he's, you know, I, I obviously don't know him, but reading his book, he just comes across as a very soft spoken, good, good guy, which I'm sure he is. But did you notice as his friend exactly, and bandmate exactly. issues? Yeah, that's exactly who he was, and and the fact is. <clears throat> I never read his book, but really? I can tell you this. No, never did. The, 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 the thing I can tell you is it never crossed my mind one time. Never. It was nothing. It was never an issue in the band. When you're talking about this idea of, uh, you know, sitting next to people and that uh, you should probably get out and meet more gay people. But uh, no, that, that doesn't go on. Um, you know, we were just guys in the band. We all know who we were. 
And we functioned um, really like a pretty doggone, doggone good family for a lot of years. And, you know, as far as Chuck goes, I just communicated him for, with the first time uh, in almost 20 years. I asked him to use permission um, for some old photos that are going to be in this video I'm making uh, for uh, a song off my new album. The, the single is out right now. It's called To the Good Old Days, which is a uh, duet with Julian Lennon. Mm-hmm. And uh, he wrote back absolutely. He, he's thrilled. So John and Chuck and I, a lot of those old pictures from the old days will be in this video. So I never had an ill feeling toward Chuck in my life. That is great to hear, Tham. Thank you for, for your honesty and, and all that. Again, you know, just also too white where you're talking about putting out stuff. I, I still think to this day, the sticks catalog is so underappreciated, meaning there's never been an incredible sort of box set with rare live shows. And I know you guys got some incredible stuff out there. Um, any chance of, you know, you getting together with them and going, let's celebrate this stuff, damn it. I mean, it'd be great, especially now. How great would it be to, to, to get an incredible sticks box set with you know, live shows you haven't seen before and some demos from these great, great songs. And I just think it would be fantastic. Well, that's all, all that stuff really is in the hands of, of A&M Records or Universal right now. That They're the ones that control that stuff. If they feel there's an, uh, uh, an audience and, and people who are willing to pay money, they'll do it. We don't have control over that. We just sit around and you know, nod our heads. Um, as, far, as far as the six bands, the Six fan base was maybe third only to the Kiss and Rush fan bases. Mm-hmm. We had four albums in a row that sold three million plus initially, not eventually, but within within a year of their release. <clears throat> no one has ever done that. We sold a concert tour for six, almost seven years constantly. And the fan base was as solid and as loving as you could ask for one. And you know, it all came to a crashing halt in 83 when Tommy decided that he really wanted to pursue a solo career. That's what he wanted. So on the stage in uh, the Capitol Center in Washington, D.C., he quit the band on stage during the Kilroy tour. And the other four of us went, what, blah, 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 blah. So we didn't know what was going on. And he said he didn't want to do it anyway. He wanted, he wanted to have a solo career. And so... JY and Tommy and, and Johnny, they said, I, I can't tell you what they said. I don't know what kind of radio station you are, but they well, were you can mad. say you can say whatever Just you want. want. Yeah. We all know the F word. So um, they were really mad. And they turned to me and they said, let's replace him. We're supposed to do a summer stadium tour next year, which I had promised JY for his support on the Kilroy thing. And I said, um, J.Y., how do we replace Tommy? I don't know how we do that. Um, and I thought that was a terrible mistake because the, the audience, this loyal audience, had developed such a kinship with the individual members that by just saying, oh, let Tommy show us up, we, we really didn't mean that. Here, come, here comes Joe Schmenge. He's going to play guitar now. Um, and no matter how good Joe is, uh, yeah, the, Tommy has his fans. I just thought it was crazy. So I said no. And then every six months, 
Jay White would call me up and ask me. I said, I'm ready, Jay White, the minute Tommy really is serious about coming back. And it took a lot longer. Tommy did three solo albums. So it was a number of years. Uh, but I don't even know what the hell the question was. But that's a good answer. <laughs> that is a good yeah. answer. Hey, De- Dennis, before our, our KISS fans flip us off and go, this is a KISS show, can you reminisce about Sticks touring with Kiss Wait a in the seventies. Everything. I I didn't know this. Wait a second. I didn't realize this was a Kiss show. <laughs> you know, I just go to the phone and answer it and start talking to people. Wait a minute. Let me tell you my Kiss stories for Christ's sake. <laughs> we all, are all you people out there who still, all you people out there are still breaking up for putting that stupid makeup on, and you, Elmo, out there in the middle of the country, has your tongue healed yet from fooling around? Anyway, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Let me tell you my kiss stories. Are you ready? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, but, but wait, Dennis. Can I ask just one question before you you start telling the stories? Is the first time you heard of them and saw them? What was your honest reaction to that? They seemed like nice, nice guys. They were sitting on bar stools in a bar in South Dakota. Mm. I'm going to tell you that story. Okay. Your book. <clears throat> Never heard of them in my life. Don't know them. Never heard the names. We pull into Rapid City, and we're all staying at the Holiday Inn, as I or some dump could have been a Ramada for all I know. And the show's rained out. It's bad. It was an outdoor show. I walk into the walk into the, the bar. There's a restaurant in the bar there, and there's some long-haired dudes in the bar. And uh, it turned and we say, Hey, how you doing? How you doing? Uh, who you got? We're still we're kiss. Oh, hey, good to meet you. Good, Gene. Hey, nice to meet you. And we we kibitz, right? That's okay. it. it's that you know, 10 15 minutes tops. I go back to my room. I, I don't, I don't even think of nothing about it. I think this is 70. When was their first album? 73? 74. 74. Sore? Okay, this must be 70, must be 74. They didn't tour before their album, did they? No, no. No. Okay. They're 74. Next thing I know, they take off like a rocket. Right? Now they're Kiss. Not three guys at the bar. And the next time we see them, we're backing them up. I'm, I'm, I don't remember. In some big place. Um, would it have been Indianapolis? I don't remember. Someplace. And... There they are, and then I see them for the first time. Well, Jay White, he loves them. He loves, you know, the power, uh, the volume level, the over-the-top histrionics, you know, the, the show. He yeah. loves that stuff. And you know me, I'm a theatrical person. I got all that stuff. You know, as far as the music, when I went, well, it's basic rock and roll, you know, and yeah. there it is, and I get it. Look at he's spitting blood. That's what I thought. And um, that was it. That was my impression. I said, I looked around and I saw these people with the, you know, their faces painted. And I said, I don't know what they're doing, but it looks like a good idea. <laughs> um, so, uh, and that, that, we didn't talk to them that night as far as I recall. But then over the years, we, uh, you know, we have a word here and there with the guys because uh, we backed them up everywhere. In fact, the night JC, John Zerleski, Quit Sticks in 1975. Are you with me on this? Mm-hmm. It was at a stick show down in Florida. We were playing with them down in Florida. 
He quit that night, which led to Tommy Shaw. And so, okay. Um, so Kiss goes on to be who they are. You know, what are you going to say? There it is. My God. Uh, it's a juggernaut. And then um, some years later, uh, when was uh, uh, the rock and the, what's their movie called? Oh, Kiss Meets the Phantom meets of the, the Park. Park. What is it called again? Kiss Meets the Phantom. No, no it's it. They're not in it really. It's it's a story of some kid. Oh, oh, oh! oh Detroit Rock City. Yeah, Detroit Rock City. Yeah, 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 yeah. What year was that? Was that eighties? That was that was two thousand. Was that two thousand one? You're going to get okay, so that's good. Nineteen ninety nine, something I, I, around there. Okay, cool. So now, so I, I talked to Gene once or twice. I have a great respect for him. He had great respect for me, but it wasn't like, hey, let's date. Uh, so the <laughs> thing is, I get a call from, I get a call from him in nineteen eighty six. Dennis, yeah, Gene. Um, I'm working with Liza Minnelli. Really? Yeah. Um, I'm trying to turn her into a pop singer. Do you think you could help? Can I send her out to you? And you can work with her as a vocalist. I said, yeah, sure. I mean, you know, it's Liza Minnelli, you know, it was 1980. Well, yeah. I mean, she's a big person. She's a star. And um, so, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm flattered that he thinks that I can do something with her. So, okay. Liza Minnelli flies in. She stays at my house with me. Are you with, are you with me? Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, yeah, my wife went out. Did you buy new new furniture? What'd you do? Yeah, my daughter got a new bedroom set. <laughs> what a guy. And so anyway, um, so I'm going to start the session. And I fly in this girl. I know from L.A., uh, who's a great pop singer, not, not well-known. And, I, and I, we talk, and I discuss it. I discuss with Liza how we're going to go about this. I'm going to have this girl stand out here with you. I want you to listen. And you less of this, less of this. Because it really was subtracting. And Gene shows up the first day. He flies in. All right, now here's, here's the scenario. <laughs> Dennis, Dennis, real quick, your your it sounds like your phone is like been pulled right away. Oh, hold on. Sorry, guys. There we go. Speaker ah, up like there English. we go. Yeah. Okay. Let me try this again. When did, when did you lose me? Um, only like ten seconds ago. So. Just slowly okay. fading. Liza's out. at my house. Gene's going to fly in from LA to see how it's going. Make sure we, you know, we're, we're doing good. Liza flies in from New York. Who's on the plane with her in first class? Geraldo Rivera. Now, do you guys remember when Geraldo went into Al Capone's vault? Yep. And found yes. yes. Look for his watch. <laughs> Guess what? That was the day. That was the day he flew in. So he came to the studio with Liza, their friends, and we're hanging out. You know, me, I'm not a hangout person, trust me. Uh, <clears throat> you know, I'm at the pizzeria, that's it. So uh, Gene comes in, and we're all standing there. I got pictures of this. Okay. 
Gene goes, seems like it's going good. Yeah, she's great. This is one of the greatest broads of all times, this woman. She's sitting here taking instruction from me, the accordion player from Chicago. <laughs> Why? I don't know. Which only goes to show, prove my point. Fake it. Anyway. <laughs> um, so we do the sessions. And he's very happy. Gene is happy. Um, jump ahead. He's, he, he wrote a book. When did that book come out? Was that after the Detroit Rock City? I think it was. Gene's um, book? Yeah. So Detroit Rock City. Yeah, they come to me. They want to use Come Sail Away in Detroit Rock City. I said, yeah, of course. And then I met Gene at uh, a book signing at the L.A. book thing. My wife was there. She was selling her books. Great book, kids. I love Foretold. If you like romantic, you know, romance novels where there's a little sex. Anyway, um, <laughs> so we meet, I see him again there. We, we shoot the shit again for like 10, 15 minutes. So that's our relationship. And then uh, a couple of years ago, Adam Sandler invites me to, to sing at his party, his Christmas party. And Jane's there. Uh, and then there he is again. And then after the, uh, uh, after the thing, he's sitting in his car. His, his, his lovely wife is uh, driving. And it's a traffic thing, and he's starting to pull out. And he sees me, rolls down his window, and we talk again for about 15 minutes. And that's my relationship with uh, six, uh, six with Kiss. Uh, I don't know Paul very well, but Gene and I have calves a couple times. So all you, six, all you Kiss fans, settle down. <laughs> settle down. <laughs> so was, it, was it hard to open for them back in the day? It could be. But let me just say this. We were awesome. We were the most undiscovered band in America. We were supposed to be headliners. We just had a shit record company in Chicago, local, that made us, you know, stand, stand in, in, in puddles of anonymity. But when we came on the stage with Aerosmith and Kiss in 75, 6, 7, we, these boys were ready for the prime time. So they started like this. <laughs> Two songs in there going, yay! Now, let me just say this to you. Sometimes, of all the bands we played with, we made it hard for the next band to come out. I don't care who they were. Aerosmith, you name them. ZZ, doesn't matter. We could make their job hard. Not Kiss. They liked us. They cheered for us. And they said, that's enough of them. Let's have the guys we love. And kids came out and did their thing. Interesting. De Den Dennis, b before we have to wrap up here, talk to us about your new album. I I've, I've, I've heard some of it, and it sounds... I hate to use this term, but as a Styx fan, that's what you go to. It's It's got some classic Styx feel to it. Talk to us about it. Well, 26 East, that's the, the address of my parents' home, where the band was founded, The Nucleus, in 1962 by the Pananza Brothers and me. It's my final album, where it began, so it shall end. And yes, of course, there's a lot of Sticks influence in this record. I would say probably 80% of it. Uh, because I, as I recall, I was in that band, <laughs> and I was responsible for a, a lot of the songs and a lot of the arrangements. So yeah, it is like that. Uh, there's a new song, guys. I wish I could get it. I can get it to you. 
I'd You're love, love it. It's called with all due respect. In fact, I should send it Gene. send it to Gene. I was going to send it to Paul. I this last week and I got waylaid because uh, I saw an interview he did with Richard, Richard March talking about the, uh, the actual uh, subject matter of the song with all due respect is balls to the wall, rock and roll. And it's, it's got the, it may has one of the greatest hooks I ever, I ever wrote in my life. And I'm, I guarantee you when you first hear it, you're going to laugh out loud. So I'll, you give me a contact point. Um, I'll have somebody at the record company send you the song. Yeah. I'll, 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 I'll get, I'll get in touch with your, your PR guy, John, and we'll, we'll take care of it. Anyway, here's how it goes. It's my, my final album. Um, I'm doing tons of interviews on it. It's, it doesn't suck. Trust me. I wouldn't be on here talking about it if it did. Oh, well, maybe. But <laughs> here it is. It's <clears throat> you can you can't buy it yet. May twenty second because of the uh, guess that you know what's happening. Um, yeah. But you can see I did a duet with Julian Lennon called "To the Good Old Days," which is just a, a beautiful song. It's my tribute to the Beatles. Who out with without them I wouldn't be a, in a rock and roll band. But the rest of the album is like this song called "East of Midnight." Both of them are sitting there. For your fan base, um, for free on YouTube, you can listen to them. They're sitting right there. There's no video yet. The video's coming, uh, and there you go. Go listen to it if you like. If you like Sticks, there is some crossover, believe it or not, between Sticks and Kiss. It's not, you know, it's not not, not like saying Sticks and Manavani. It's it's okay. Uh, <clears throat> but look to the Sticks fans. I, to the Sticks fans, I say, you know, thank, thanks, thanks for giving me the life you've given me, man. It's it's been amazing. And I'm 73, and I'm not going to make any more records. But this is my last one. And to all the Kiss fans, I, I, I say to you, God bless you. You had a good time. They were there when you were 14, 15 years old, and uh, they were making you happy. And for a lot of you, they still make you happy. What's wrong with that? Amen. Amen. Hey, I, I got to get a geeky question in just one more time because I, I wasn't kidding. I'm a huge Sticks fan. Did, it's funny because, like I said, Cornerstone lost me a little bit, and then – on on Kilroy though, do do you think "Don't Let It End" got overlooked? I mean, to this day, because that's such a fucking great song. What a great single! But when people yeah, look well, back look, on that he, period, he, he, you don't talk about people don't talk about that song, and that fucking song is awesome. And it's not like a hard rock; well, it's just a well written song. I love that, song. dude. Let him answer. Well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, um, I have nothing to add. No, just kidding. Um, look, we did this Kilroy project with my idea. It was it was talking about, well, look at Mr. Roboto's operative line. The problem's plain to see. Too much technology. Machines to save our lives. Machines dehumanize. That's what I said, 1982. Mm-hmm. And it was about censorship of rock and roll before the PMRC. And we actually stickered our own record three years before they asked people to do it as a joke. So it was a little bit ahead of its time. And I asked some of the, well, the band members to act on stage. It was, it wasn't a musical. It was a rock musical. And uh, Mr. Roboto was only a song I'd written to go from transition from the backstory of the stage play was done on film. Brilliant. You can see it online. Just go caught in the act or Troy was here, whatever the hell that is. And then you can see the movie. Um, and then from that, from that, the last scene you see on the movie, on movie screens, is the first see, scene you see on stage live. And that song was to tell the story 
connect the story in the movie to the story on stage. It was never intended to be a single. Once again, Mr. Smarty Pants doesn't know anything. So we do the song together. We love doing it. We're having a great time doing it. Despite what anybody says, they're not telling the truth. Tommy Shaw brought, brought the vocorder into the band and used it on uh, the best of times. It's on there. Good night, good night. He did the vocoder on Mr. Roboto. We had a ball doing it. Was it supposed to be a single? Never. My wife told me and my best friend said, that's a, that's a hit single. I said, it's not. Yes, it is. No, I didn't write it like that. And, and, and then I said, what are they going to think when I yell, I'm Kilroy at the end? <laughs> what the hell has that got to do with anything? So, all right. So the record company says, that's a hit, that's a hit single. We said, what? Oh, what? Okay. And then if we had a release, don't let it end first to answer your question. All the Sticks fans like you who get, get freaked out when any band changes even their <laughs> underpants. Thank you very much, Dennis. Jesus Christ. You were what? What were you, 17 by then? Yeah, right, exactly. Right. I was exactly 17. <laughs> he was he still was, a virgin, too, to so me. that explains now something. Listen to me. listen to me, you young 80s punk. Listen, Mr. Roboto is now in the culture. So if you were making the decision for your life at 17 as to whether to keep, you know, playing the Grand Illusion and Renegade or have a song that's actually in the worldwide culture, I know what you'd say. Okay. So I wasn't thinking anything like that. It just happened. If Don't Let an End had to come first, all the Sticks fans would have felt comfortable. They were in their, in, in, in their comfort zone. But we rolled the bones, baby. We did it as a group. It wasn't my idea alone. I would have never taken that. I would have never stuck my neck out that far. So there's your story, you little sticks fan. Now, <laughs> let me disappoint you. All right, you so Dennis, now, listen Dennis, to this one. I'm, I love this guy. You. I'm glad he's here today. Yeah, I'm glad he's here today. I'm going to call up Peter Chris right now and demand a recount. Now, listen. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, you heard a, a, a slight, a slight poppy, a poppy uh, change, slight in Cornerstone. Okay, did you buy Paradise, Paradise Theater? I love yeah. that album. Love it. Yeah. Happy okay. There you go. There was. How do you think we took we took the bridge from Cornerstone to Paradise Theater? That's how we got there. And then Kilroy could have been a step too far. I'm not going to argue with you, but the truth of the matter is, don't let it in is a great. Oh, how's that going to you? That's it. Wow. Right on that piano. And that is the piano I wrote it on. It's a beautiful ballad. Um, but you know what? Even though Robata was a number one single and sold a million albums, a lot of the Sticks fans went, <laughs> I thought, oh, you guys are real serious about this music. And so, but a bunch of nine, 10, and 11 year olds jumped on board. And to this day, those you can you can read the comments by all the nine you'll have a guy like you some guy will come i don't know i, I don't want to mean to characterize you a guy will come on and say oh roboto ruined the whole band i'll blow it out your ass <laughs> nice and so, well, and so but and then you'll get three more comments and say what are you talking about i i got into sticks because of roboto then went back and bought the grand illusion so guys I'm making this shit up as I go along. You know, well, I'm throwing darts at the ceiling. I'm hoping I got a good idea. If I had a plan, you know, why would I even need to talk to you guys? Because I'd have the whole life. I'd, I'd have already figured out the COVID thing. 
I'm just a dummy with an accordion and a dream. Are you? I'm assuming you're going to probably tour once you're able to for your new record. So I'm going to ask you the same thing I asked Mr. Nugent a few weeks ago. Do you need us to send you a photo of Mark so that you can keep him out of your concert? <laughs> Here's what I'm thinking. My new, my, my new tour manager is the CDC. Nice. Yep. I don't know nothing. I had a tour canceled. I had an album come. Here's, here, listen, guys. On Monday, I released the single from my final album on, on, a, on a Monday in March. And um, I'd worked on it two and a half years. It's a fantastic album. I'll have Freeman send it to you. Um, and on Wednesday, the WHO, and I don't mean Daltrey and Townsend, <laughs> declared a pandemic. You talk about timing. Yeah. That's what happened to me. But you know what? That's small potatoes. Because what's going on right now is so deadly serious and important that we can't think that running around and posing with your guitar and singing in a microphone is, a, is as important as countless billions of people who will be affected by this economically. And all we can hope is this. What? All the smarty pants in the world get together and solve this thing. And they're going to. You want to know why? Because they have to. Maybe I'll work on the cure to athletes' feet today. No. <laughs> Everyone's jumping in to see if they can solve it. Well, we'll send you a photo of them nonetheless, so you have it in case. <laughs> <laughs> who, who was I didn't hit? Who was the photo of? Of of of, Mark. of of Mark, the the Uber geek here, who's just got one more question and one more question and one more question. <laughs> we're we're, Mark, we're, Mark, we're trying to keep you Mark, safe. Mark, yes. listen to me. I love you. Thank I you. I love you too. To Let me to tell you right now, yeah, my fifteen-year-old, my fifty-year-old, my fifteen-year-old self, somewhere in time, is jumping up and down and giving himself high fives because he got to talk. To, to Dennis D. Young. He's so excited. And let me tell you, as that person, I'm doing, I, if I could do a backflip, I would, but I'd hurt my back at 54. <laughs> I tell you right now, I, I love that. I love that 15 year old kid and the 54 year old one, but don't jump around too much. <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't now. <laughs> He's pretty stationary. <laughs> Dennis, this was an absolute honor I, I like mark just said uh the kid in me growing up on grand illusion and paradise theater and and even mr roboto um is just thrilled thank you for taking the time i've got to do this i've got to say domo arigato dennis de young <laughs> and i would say i would say which means you're welcome and one, one more thing, um, tell your, tell these kids if they're interested, here's what happened to me. You want to hear some really good news in the middle of all yes. this? Yes. Yeah, I did. I sang, I, sang, I sang best of times at the piano in my house, you know, because a, a bunch of people on Facebook asked me to sing a song in these trying times. And, and, and so I thought, well, why don't I join all the other needy celebrities and do this? So, 
but then I thought the, the lyrics in Best of Times are when people lock their doors and hide inside. And rumor has it it's the end of paradise. I said, well, gee, that does that seems relevant. So I did this thing, guys. And honestly, God, you talk about being humbled. And I've had, listen, Mark, I I know a lot of guys like you, and I've been so fortunate to have people like you um, hold me in such high opinion. And so I I do this this little thing. I don't even know how to post it on YouTube. I get somebody to do it for me. And it's got over 800,000 views in two weeks. That doesn't even make sense to me. I mean, I never get stuff like that. Who am I, Taylor Swifty? No. So that's up. It'll make you feel good. People tell me, tell me, tell me it makes you feel good. Mark, if you haven't seen it, it's going to make you feel good. And today, because of the success in that, I just started my own YouTube channel, and uh, I did Show Me the Way, same way. And, good. you know, the thing about the YouTube channel, my YouTube channel is going to separate it. Is, um, I, 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 I'm pretty sure it's going to put Netflix out of business. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, it, it what, what's it going to be? Instead right, of net, net, up, I've taken too much of your time. Dennis, thank I've you. Taken up too much of your time. Thank, thank you. Dennis. Thank you so much. Take care, sir. Mark, you totally surprised me. I didn't see fanboy this. I didn't expect fanboy this week, but we, holy crap, he just he, on, he talked, sneaked out. You and I have talked awful, you know, privately about oh, how no, sweet no, looks. no, no, I, 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 I know, I know that, but I just didn't think Sticks was up there with the Ted Nugent fan. Oh, fuck! Well, I got to do another meme. Yes. Dude, are you kidding me? <laughs> I, I listen to that shit. Fuck is, I, I love Sticks. Seen them a bunch of fucking times. Um, they're again though. Like I said, right though, right. You know, it's that whole timeline thing, right? That's how come I asked him. That's why it was very important for me to ask him about Cornerstone. Because that was like Kiss. They they went into that that vacuum, too. I'm like, no, no, don't do that. I was so bummed out when it was like, not the band who just did fucking Great White Hope and Queen of Spades. What are you doing? And Dennis's yeah, answer to you, count. and Dennis's response to fans like you was priceless. <laughs> Brilliant. That we got the money shot, brother. <laughs> Look, if you're watching the show and you don't know Sticks from Adam and the Ants, go put fucking Queen of Spades on. Mike, am no, I a cornerstone? I no, I, 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 I would sit here and you, you got to start at Cornerstone. You got to put. Do not start at Cornerstone. Go put Grand Illusion on. Grand Illusion <laughs> is timeless, phenomenal, perfect. Tommy, don't make the. That's like telling someone to start with the Elder or Unmask, you dummy. Don't do that. <laughs> There's going to be some young fan who's going to go, Tommy Summer said to fucking uh, fuck Cornerstone. <laughs> no, no, we don't want that. Don't hate it for Dennis. It's my buddy now. <laughs> oh, Mark's got a new buddy. <laughs> We're sending a photo to his management. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, but you know what? I mean, everybody, Mark, Mark is right. Especially if you were a teenager in the 70s, oh, loving rock and roll, and especially for the three of us who were in the Midwest, you could not get away from hearing sticks all the time. 
they were everywhere, and rightfully so, because it was great music. Still it is. is great music. Still is. Who else? Who else can we get on that is swimming in this pond to get him this worked up? I just want to do a whole series of that. Well, I'm thinking whoever it is, I'm, Ian Gillen. I don't care. No, 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 no. I think you know who we go for. JY. Oh my God! Are you kidding me? <laughs> I. Yeah, I'd bring a comb. <laughs> Let's then we have to get JY on because then I got to ask have you guys ever noticed that descending lick on on, <laughs> on Miss America towards end the fade out he hits the wrong note have you ever noticed that Mike no if you're listening to a Miss America during the fade out they kept that mistake in I always thought it was cool <laughs> Look, we get fucking JY on. He'll love that fucking question. He'll be going, fuck these two idiots. I want to talk to the fat guy who likes sticks. That's all no, he's he won't. <laughs> no, he won't. He will go to the he'll go to the court the next day and file some kind of like oh my God. restraining order. <laughs> I, I, I love how Dennis thinks we're making money doing this too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh God, no! Well, we did get a little kiss talk in there, although we, I, I had to take a business call. We that we I was we we, we, day, we so did, sorry. but you know, Dennis turned out to be right up there with with Ted when it came to the interview. It was just like let him talk. He's got so much amazing stuff to say. He's got an incredible sense of humor, just like Ted has one. And it's like I don't care if it wasn't all kiss talk. This was. Dennis T. Young of Sticks. It doesn't get much cooler than that. It does not. Fanboy Mark. Yeah, and a surprise fanboy appearance. Why is it a surprise? You and I have talked Sticks a lot. I know, I know. Again, I know you love them. I just didn't know it was fanboy love. I didn't didn't know that level of it. Yeah, because it's not like when you're sitting around talking with with singer or something. You guys are having conversations about drums and all that kind of boring shit. And with Dennis, it's just like Nugent. You're, it's just like that freaking Paul McCartney thing with um, what's his name. Well, here's the difference. He's my friend. It's like talking to you two idiots. It's the same. We talk. I talk no different to them than I do with you. We make fun no, of no. each other and all that. It's because he's my buddy. It, look, there was probably a time when I, but not anymore. I mean, yeah, but well, Dennis is your buddy now. Lots of times. Yeah, but Dennis is your buddy now, so maybe you can work towards the same relationship with him, <laughs> there, Uncle there, Ted. There you go. You know. Oh but, but look, all kidding aside, if if you're a younger fan, and again, you know, I, I try and address this all the time. If you like Kiss, if you love 70s era Kiss, really, I would say, honestly, start with Equinox. Don't get me wrong. The Serpent is Rising and Sticks. Those are good records, too. But they really hit their fucking stride. Um Right. It, wouldn't you say Equinox, Mike, with that's light up on there? That's, when, and, that's uh, when it started. That's really when they, yeah. they they really kind of clicked and became what Styx is known for. Because I say the same thing with Rush, whereas, you know, the, don't worry, I, I love Fly By Night and Crest of Steel's cool for different reasons than most people would, <laughs> would think. But, you know... Right at the live album, twenty one twelve, they hit. That's that's when it just this whole thing started working, and that's what I say with sticks right around Equinox, which oddly enough is right around that same time period, seventy five, seventy six. They're they're really starting to 
to you know to hit their their stride and and in the songwriting and for those of you who don't know because a good chunk of our audience probably just thinks that tommy shaw was always in sticks he wasn't he didn't join till crystal ball so that was the i think equinox was the last album without tommy shaw correct mike um i i believe so yeah i mean i i i would sit here and say you know if you started at Equinox, which then goes to Crystal Ball, Grand Illusion, Pieces of Eight, Cornerstone, oh, and end pieces. at Paradise Theater, that's such a great representation right there. Those, those, what was that, six albums? Those six albums are a perfect representation of sticks. And I want to back, because I, I did the same thing in the Ted Nugent episode, because in 2020, some of our younger fans don't know, I'm just being honest, don't understand the history and the timeline. Um, you, Sticks, like he said, they were playing fucking selling out arenas right alongside our costumed crusa crusaders, right alongside in, in the late 70s. And as Kiss was on the decline, Sticks was still climbing, unfortunately. Well, spe spe yeah, especially, I mean, Paradise Theater came out in 1981. What did Kiss release in 1981? Yeah. yeah. You, you want to see two different You want to see, yeah, because, because Tom, Tommy, you might remember this. When, when Sticks came through on the Paradise Theater tour in Minnesota, they played three sold-out shows at the Met Center. And that wasn't That's just unique for Minnesota. They were doing two or three dates everywhere they played on that tour. That was the point I'm trying to make to the younger fans. Yeah, they were. They, yeah, way, way bigger than Kiss in early, way bigger. Yeah, they were practically the house band for KQRS. Yeah, yeah. And they still are. I mean, they're always on the radio. So and roller skating, you know, Babe, I Love You and, and all of that Paradise City, all art in Paradise City. Um, all of that stuff. It was welcome to the Paradise Theater. It was all that was on, and and people were just into it. Renegade was huge. Yep, huge, huge, huge. Yep, yep. So well, I, that's I, also though too, though too. And as somebody again, it was funny that you said that you were probably seventeen. I was seventeen in nineteen eighty-two. How fucking crazy is that? But here's the part, you know, like Michael always says, and. You know, about the forget the haters thing, because if we're all honest, Tommy, Michael and I are all honest with ourselves. If we went back to our senior year and we said that, you know, take the Corona thing out of it, that Kiss is still going to be playing arenas in 2020 and sticks. Dennis DeYoung and sticks separately right now. Yes. But they're both here. You know, one of them is going to be on a package tour with REO Speedwagon and Pat Benatar and maybe maybe getting enough people to fill the shed never would have bought it that nobody we would have been laughed out of our fucking classroom in 1983 had we had we said that and the truth is the hottest band in the world for the win you know kiss but but uh, but, you, but to, to your point though mark i would i would also sit here and go when i was listening to the grand illusion back in the 70s the fact that sticks as a band is still here. Dennis DeYoung is still here recording and releasing music. Never, never would I have thought back in the 70s that that would still be happening. I mean, to me, whether they're selling out, the fact that they're still here, they're still relevant, that they're still 
creating great music. I mean, the last Styx album that came out three years ago called The Mission. Go yes, listen but- to it. This is goes right back to that period of those six albums. It fits right in there with very classic sticks. And I can tell you right now as a side, I just read that sticks is working on new music during this whole virus quarantine thing. Sorry, you give me another sticks album, I'm buying it. It's like Kiss. I'm buying it. I'm Dennis's new album You've got to go listen to it. You've got to go pre-order it. You've got to go buy it, stream it, whatever you do. It sounds like sticks. You're going to love it. If you are a classic fan, you're going to love it. Trust me. It wasn't, it's, it's not Dennis trying to do something new and taking that right turn again like he was talking about. This is, this is what he's known for. It's just great. Yeah. What a nice guy. Super nice. You know, um, that was a great interview. I, I, I would say for homework for this week, um, as a KISS fan, are, I'd love to know how many KISS fans are Styx fans. Is there is there a lot of crossover? I think there is, but I would tell think us. So. <laughs> is there a lot of crossover? Um, what's your favorite Styx album? Cornerstone. Nope. <laughs> Enough. <laughs> for me, Grand Illusion. Grand Illusion is is absolute favorite for me. Paradise Theater follows it up though. Ooh, no, 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 Mike. I got it's him. either Equinox or or Pieces of Eight. Piece, I, you know, if I if I if you pin me down, it'd have to be Pieces of Eight is the best. Pieces of Eight is is right up there for me. But I, again, you know, as as you love to say, the timeline for me, the timeline of Paradise Theater, I was just so deeply sucked into sticks at that point in time and i love that album i still listen to that whole album you know here's how i go when i pick albums a lot of times i look at it going out of an artist catalog which albums do i still listen to on a fairly regular basis because that must mean i must like them and in the sticks catalog grand illusion and paradise theater are my two go-to albums still you know, it's funny. I was thinking about earlier when you were talking, all, all seriousness, and J.Y. is almost the ace freely of Kiss because he didn't get a ton of lead vocals, but when he did, they were songs you remembered. You know what I mean? Because he wasn't... And he, and he, he brought just, something to the band that was, you know, you could just tell, oh, it's J.Y.'s influence. J.Y. was the rocker. J.Y. Yep. was the fucking rocker. Yep. That, that's who he was in that band. Still is. Yep. Again, his his contribution of of not only image and sound is very ace like in the fact that he because look, Gene and Paul wrote the songs, but Ace made them sound like Kiss on those on those, you know, the first six and a half, seven records. That the sound was you know, I it's funny because I've seen other people describe this and I've always thought this myself. Ace almost put a song within the song. And what I mean by that is the way his solos were. Take a song like Firehouse. It's a good song, but that, you know, the, the little chicken picking thing. They did. Every one of his solos, he just adds that Ace thing that makes all the songs sound like Kiss. I mean, if you want to talk, Kiss, it's the chemistry that made them so great. And, and as somebody who just loves music, that's the part that, 
I can tell when someone's a Kiss hater, I can tell they never listened to their music because if they don't understand the solo in hundred thousand years, then you didn't listen to it because that is another example of a song within the song that, that guitar part, that guitar solo part in hundred thousand years really makes that song cool song regardless. But you know, the, the frosting and cherry put it on top is, is ace. And, and that's what he brought, you know, well, or, or, or for today, the, 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 the chicken wing on the mashed potatoes. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, I'm still feeling good for my KFC. Can you tell? Oh, I mean, God, yes. Tommy, yeah. he's been so interested from start to finish the whole episode. Look, I look, know. You, these, you, look, you dummies. Look, and I mean that lovingly. You know it. <laughs> God, sometimes I'm here seven hours after my last time I ate. And you're wondering why. Like, look, man. I, I I just want to go eat and take my shoes off. Tommy, and fucking Tommy, do we do we have a KFC delivered every Tuesday to Mark's house? <laughs> Maybe we should. I think you can put it in the budget. <laughs> yeah, we're making yeah. so much money. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> you get one chicken wing, Mark. <laughs> as long as it's extra crispy, we're good. Next time we're on the road, we're going to KFC. You, oh, you, you know it, Tommy. You, you know, know what it. you're getting now when you meet Kiss fans, right, Mark? They're bringing you oh, look, KFC. They want to bring me buckets. I'm all for it. Are you kidding me? <laughs> and and look, I do prefer the. I like the white meat. The the thighs are great. Look, look, are look at Mark. Favorite. He's putting his order into all of our listeners yeah. now. <laughs> not the thigh. I want to talk the breast. I want the breast. I like that big pizza. Uh, all right, guys. You 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 got you got our our sticks related homework. Um, you know, just talk to us if you're a Sticks fan. What Sticks albums do you like? Um, you know, what's your thought on Cornerstone? Do you agree with Mark? I think Mark's a little, they do. little, little heavy on it, but you know, what do but you think? Honestly, how often do you put on Cornerstone now? Honestly, not, you don't. Not, no, I don't. As a whole album, no. But the song, some of those, like Babe. I'm sorry. I mean, it's sort of like Beth. You might have been played to death. But every time I hear it, I'm like, that's a fucking great song. It is a great song. I did, See, that's the whole thing. I wouldn't mind if if they would have, like, kept rocking, but they didn't. It, it changed the band. And keep in mind, that was right at the same time as, you know, Kiss was, like, disappointing me, too. I mean, like, I, 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 can't, I can't in good conscience say Cornerstone is Styx's elder. Not at all, because Cornerstone's actually a good album. Actually sold. <laughs> you know, if if you were going to use that as a comparison, you could say Kilroy was here was Styx's elder. Yeah, but it but it was that but, was a multi. It was a th- sold a million times. No, no, I I totally I get it. I I'm not calling it their elder because I love it. I I went to the tour. I saw the tour, even though it was. One of those, I'm not quite sure what this is. It was pretty freaking cool. Um, I mean, let's be honest. I, very few bands have a pure elder in them. <laughs> Kiss won that. I want to I wanna know if, if Mark made out with any chicks at a Sticks, Sticks concert. concert. <laughs> <laughs> no, but let's hold on a second. Go back to my roller skating. I did snowball a few times to Lady. So uh... You have to. Yeah, babe. <laughs> No, no, lady, you remember? Yeah. Lady. That was really big at the roller rink, man, when I was. Uh, so was Babe, I, I Love You. 
What's what's that? All that stuff was. Yep. Oh, I know. But like I said, is you know, being a, a chubby little kid who could rollerblade better than pretty much a roller skate better than most of the kids his age. I was I was hot property with the chicks, man. <laughs> he was in his element on the roller skating rink. All I would have needed was a fucking KFC next door. I never would have left. Maybe, maybe, maybe you know what? <laughs> maybe, maybe instead right of a, a three sides of the coin cruise, we do three sides of the coin at a roller rink. With, next a, with the KFC, KFC. next to it. <laughs> Catered we by KFC. It, we can do it at the roller gardens. Yeah. You can do it at the roller gardens. Yeah, you know, and if we have, look, look we got to get, Lisa's got to ask me to snowball because it was, that's, for the younger fans, when we were kids, they had a, they had a, they had a, a thing where they'd play a slow song and they'd say it was the snowball. And what that was is that the girl had to ask the guy to go roller skating. And I got asked a lot because I could skate really well. Because the girls also didn't want to fucking grab some guy who couldn't skate because they looked like dopes. So it was great because, you know, as a, as a young kid, I, I started playing hockey at a really young age so I could skate really well. So that really parlayed well into my um, development, I guess you should say, so, as so, the, so, honest. Mark, Mark, just... Just to be clear here, do you understand the sexual term snowball? No. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I do. Yes, I, do. <laughs> I just want to get your fuck. Yes, I do. Okay. I didn't hold on. All right. This. So, that's, so, that's so when when, when when you when you said you, you need to get with Lisa to snowball, I'm like, okay, please. <laughs> well, look, look. If put it this way, if 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 you know what that is, you've been on Pornhub way too long. <laughs> Because that that's not a fucking term that most people know. Well, I know it because I worked in porn. But... I look. <laughs> okay. I mean, honest to God, I never heard the term snowball in reference to roller skating. I, I've never heard that. You'd never have? Nope. Yeah, because then what would happen is, is after about a, a third of the through a song the DJ would say snowball, which that means that everyone had to split up then and pick another person to skate with. I don't remember that. Oh, so, yeah. So so when Mark was talking snowball, I was immediately in the wrong gutter. <laughs> oh, totally. But it's Mark. So which it's, which made, it's his, made, made, made his whole story even more interesting as I'm sitting back here going, does he know what he's talking about? Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right, guys. This, this was... This was a this is right up there with Ted for me. This was an amazing episode. I'm a bigger fan of Dennis than I am of Ted by by a mile, but this was incredible to have guests like this on. Dennis was hilarious, gracious, full of stories, um, gave us more more time than, than he needed. Um, it was awesome. I couldn't be happier. I agree. And I'm not going to say the names, but if every listener out there can cross your fingers, all of them, there's a, we've got requests in for two guests who are major. They're bigger. I kid you not. They are so big, they're bigger than a Grammy Award winning session guitar player. Who isn't? <laughs> No, the, we, we've got some requests in for two people, a a a drummer Mike, Mike, Mike. and a guitar player. That could be yeah. anybody out there. I'm not going to say any other clues than that. 
and it's a long shot, but dude, that would be so fucking cool. We'll see. Talk we'll about see. fanboy moments if those happen. Anyway, oh, go back, support Dennis DeYoung on his new album here. Trust me, if you're a Sticks fan, you're going to love it. It's great. Go check out his videos that he's just posted as well. Make his YouTube channel bigger than Netflix. <laughs> All right, that's it. Three sides of the coin. We're out of here. We'll see you next week. Love the show. Go to iTunes.threesidesofthecoin.com and leave your review and rating of Three Sides of the Coin. Thanks. Download your free free copy of the KISS School of Marketing. 11 Lessons I Learned Working with KISS. The number one downloaded business book on Noise Trade. Go to books.noisetrade.com slash Michael Brandvold. You're listening to Three Sides of the Coin. So you love the show. Go to iTunes.threesidesofthecoin.com and leave your review and rating of Three Sides of the Coin. Thanks.